Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to share a message with you today. You know, over the last three or four weeks, you may have noticed that I'm a little out of my regular pattern. I'm always praying for the Holy Spirit to lead me. Typically, I love to teach you a series. Well, I'll take a subject that I felt God would point us to, and, and I'll teach on it for three, four, or five weeks. Why do I do that? Well, I believe it helps you and me to have time to study that study, listen to what God is saying, apply it to our lives, reinforce it uh, in many ways. I think it's a great way for a pastor to teach and disciple his, his church family and bring them along. That's typically what I do because I think it's the most effective way for me to teach you. However, we're in such an unusual time right now. Let's be honest. It's, man, it's 2020. Uh, we're dealing with issues. We're, we're struggling as a nation in, in many areas. And I felt the Holy Spirit just tell me, just, just uh, take this one step at a time. And I'm going to guide you each week. It's allowing me to be very flexible and pivot and speak to something I, I feel like God would have us deal with. Um, I think it's very important for us right now that we're hearing from God in, in what I call a right now word. We're not just dealing with, you know, there are a lot of great subjects, but what is God saying to us now? What do we need to be hearing right now? Today's message is like that. I really believe this is a prophetic message to us. Now, last week, uh, I was reading and I saw a statement. It said, a divided nation needs a united church. When I read that, the Holy Spirit told me, let's talk. (laughs) I knew right then to get still and listen. A divided nation needs a united church. Church family, the challenges we're facing in 2020. Now, the Holy Spirit whispered that to me, spoke to me about this message when when we didn't know who was going to be present. It's still way, way up in the air. And so in the midst of that, this is what the Holy Spirit said. A divided nation must have a united church. Now, where we are in America today, let's be very clear. I believe the church may be facing its greatest challenge in the last hundred years. At the same time, I'm convinced we're facing the greatest opportunity that we've ever had. Greatest challenge and the greatest opportunity are right here in front of us right now. How are we going to respond? That's the real issue. I don't need to take your time and mine to convince us our nation is divided on many levels. We, we know that. We're inundated with it on a daily basis. What I do want to make sure is that we clearly know What does a united church look like? What is God's view of the church? I'm convinced that we have so many voices that we may not be right on the mark. And and I want to make sure. Now, I'm going to read two passages of Scripture today because I want us to see from Scripture clearly what God says about His church, what we are, who we are to be. And then I want to apply that, okay? Okay. So, so I'm going to take you through some things. Now, I want to go first to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to begin in verse 11. I'm going to read six verses here. I would love to, I'm going to tell you, these six verses could be exegeted and, and, and we could go through this for weeks. So I'm going to try to go through this quickly, but I want, I want there's some very salient points here we need to catch. So as we go through this, I, I want to highlight a few things I want to make sure we get this. I did this first service. I feel the direction to do this again. I sense the direction. This is so important that we are receiving God's word about the church, that we're understanding what we need to be right now. Could I pray with us 
that our hearts and ears and eyes are open to really hear from God at this moment. Can we do that? Father, we come before you today. and We know that although you use men to transcribe the Bible, the Holy Spirit was the author. We understand from your word that uh, left to ourselves, we do not have the spiritual insight to even understand Scripture. So we humble ourselves and say to you today, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. We want to hear what your word says and what you're saying to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So look at this. This is amazing. Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself, man, gave, this is the five-fold leadership of the New Testament church. And it says Christ himself gave this. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, why did he give this to the church, these leaders? To equip his people for works of service. Let's stop there. To equip his people for works of service. I want you to understand that the church was never intended by God to be a theory, to be theoretical, to just people that get together once in a while and agree on doctrine. We are an active vital, hands-on body of people. He created us. He gave leadership to do it, to equip his people for, look at this, works of service. We are not here to be served. We are here to serve. We are here to be active servants. But I want you to look at this word. He gave the apostle, the the, uh, prophet, the pastor, evangelist, the teacher to equip his people. The word equip is an interesting word. It's only used two times in the New Testament. It's a Greek word, only used two times. The only other place it's used is in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus walked up on Peter and and the other fishermen and he said, I need to borrow your boat. It's the first encounter Peter had with Jesus. And the Bible says that when Jesus arrived there, they had fished all night and spread their nets on the rocks and they were mending their nets. They were lacing them back together. They were connecting the nets so that their harvest could be maximized. Are you with me? That word translated mending nets is this word equip here. I want you to see from the very beginning, you're going to see this reinforced again and again today, that God's design for the church. Remember, what am I teaching you today? I believe it's prophetic that a divided nation needs a what? United church. I want you to see this stream that goes throughout. We're going to see scripture that mending or equipping, are you with me? Connecting like the, the strings in a net is how God builds his church. It's all about connections, okay? So when we are connected properly, we are beginning to really be effective in how we serve God. Everybody with me? Okay, what about the other four or five? Everybody with me right now? Okay, I'll take the hoo-ha, that's fine. All right, so what happens when you do this? Watch, this is critical. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Now let's go to verse 13. Please pardon me. Verse 13, there we go. Watch this. Now watch this. Until we all reach what? Unity. That's what God's after. That's the church that's mandated. Until we all reach unity in the faith. Please hear me, church family. The church is not a human, physical, carnal, natural organization. Everybody with me on that? We are a group of people born again through the work of the Holy Spirit, through our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. We will never achieve the unity 
that really lets people see Jesus by human effort. How many heard what I said? We will not reach unity the way God wants us to, trying to do this, trying to build the church the way you build political parties, clubs, groups, or organizations. We will only be unified, watch this, when we become one in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The bottom line that will bring us together is the name of Jesus, the Word of God. That's how unity is found in the church. Can somebody say amen to that? We have the Word of God. Now watch what happens. And when we do that, watch this, we become what? Mature. When we will follow this, when we become united in our faith and in the knowledge of God, we begin to begin to be a mature church, a mature body. Look at this. Now, this last phrase stuns me. I hope you don't read the Bible just reading it through like some book. This statement should stop you in your tracks. If we're doing what God says we can do, if we are being who we are created to be, then watch this. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. When the church gets its act together, it is magnificent. It is amazing. There's no power of man or hell that can stop the church that Jesus is building. Are you guys tracking along with me? We, we begin to have possibilities and potential and impact and effect that is unparalleled. We have the ability to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, the body of Christ. I want to tell you guys, that's heady stuff. Now let's go to this next verse. Then, see this process? Not before that. Then what happens? I, listen, I have to say this. According to what I'm reading today, I'm not saying you or us or Calvary, but we have to look at ourselves. But the church in America today, I have to be very frank with you, is not very mature. The church in America is growing more and more shallow. Are you with me? Pastor, why do you say that? Because the preceding verse says if we're becoming united in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, we're being connected and put together by the work of God, we're mature. And we're not this. No longer are we infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Hold it here. Do you see? That, unfortunately, is much more the picture I see in the physical church than the full measure of Jesus Christ. And so we have to look at these things. We have to walk through this. This is not God's will, that every new fad, every new thing, every new scheme, every new teaching is running us back and forth like a ping pong ball. We know who we are. We're going someplace for God. Everybody with me? Verse 15. Instead of that thing we just read, this is what maturity in the body of Christ is to look like. Speaking the truth in love, that's going to mark us, we will grow to become in every respect the mature, there it is again, body of him, Jesus, who is the head. That is in Christ. The goal of God is that the church is the body of Jesus Christ on this earth. Living, breathing, loving, teaching, talking, walking, praying, just like Jesus did. Now, it takes all of us to get that done. Are you with me? Verse 16. 
From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Look at this. As whom? As each part does its work. How many people are breathing in this room today? Can I see your hand? I'm looking around. Keep it up. I'm seeing if I need a resurrection service. Everybody breathing. Raise your hand. He talked about you just then. Each part. Okay, now some of you at home didn't raise your hand. The Holy Spirit just told them, let me look at you right through there. Raise your hand. Okay. Now, this is God's picture of the church. We see it. It's magnificent. It's stunning. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's effective. That's his picture of the church. How many want to be the church? Well, say amen with me. I want to be the church, a united church. Now, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let, here's the illustration of how this happens, Okay. Now, I told you I'm going to read a lot more scripture on the front end than I normally do. Stay with me. I want to make some applications here. Now, watch this. I picked two verses here because there are some key phrases. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, we read this. Now, to whom? Who's, here it is again. To whom? To who? Each one. Let me see all the breathing people again. Okay. Now, would you turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking to you. Would you help me with this? Okay. Thank you. Now that we've established that. To each one. The manifestation or the working of the Holy Spirit is given, why? For the common good. It's never about me. It's always about we. And if I am functioning in the church, the member of the body, whatever it may be that God created me to be, listen to me, everyone around me is being blessed. If I'm doing what God put me on this earth to do, it's not for me. It's for we. It's for the common good. It's raising the bar for everyone. Are we good? Let's go to verse, verse 11. There's another. I want you to see this. All these. Now, there was a list of gifts between verse 7 and 11. Nine of the many spiritual gifts. He says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. Watch this. And he, God, distributes them. This is the fourth time. To whom? To? Just as God determines. I don't determine my gift, but I'm gifted. You don't determine your gift, but you're gifted. All right? Now, Let's go to verse 12. I'm going to read a little more quickly. Just as a body, there's the illustration of what we read in Ephesians 4. The one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. One body, but many parts. Next verse. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. We've got to understand that. Next verse. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, well, you know, I just don't belong. Or it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. We get that. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would this sense of smell be? It's just logic. But in fact, again, God has placed the parts in the body for the fifth time, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? Verse 20, as it is, guys, many parts, right? One body, a united church. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Some of the major organs of the body. 
And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Stop. I don't have time to preach this. I want you to listen to me. There's some things that need to be covered up. Okay, I'll say it again. Does everybody know what the word modesty means? Cover your stuff up. Okay, I'm going on. Verse 24. That was just free, by the way. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. Watch this again. Man, do you see the same thing repeated again and again? It's important. But God has put the body together. God. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Why? Look at these last two verses. So that there should be no division in the body. There should be no division in the body. Because a divided nation needs a united church. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. We're not just an organization. We're an organism. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You see that clear picture, guys? I mean, that's strong, clear, powerful scripture. It is an obvious, evident illustration of how the church should work. So having established that, let's, let me help you with some things that the church stumbles over because we miss who we are. Okay, now let me help us. A divided nation needs a united church. It's very clear the purpose of unity is for one primary thing, to represent Jesus. The sum total of who we are should be a living, breathing demonstration of who Jesus is. The church is not a theory. We're not just people who sit around and talk doctrine and have an idea. We live this thing out, connected to each other. None of us by ourselves is the full body of Christ. We need each other. And when people are around us, they should walk away from us and say, I feel like I've been in the presence of Jesus. I sense I was with Jesus. We are to represent Jesus, not a part of him, not a watered-down version of him. We are to walk the way he walked, talk the way he talked, live the way he lived, love the way he loved, heal the way he healed, deliver the way he delivered. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are many arguments in the church today about miracles and God's power and his ability. Do you know it's a shame and an indictment on the church that we even argue about the gifts of God? They should be flowing so freely through his church. We should be so like Jesus that there's no room to argue who he is and what he does. That's an argument that should never be voiced in the church. It's, I've heard somebody say, it's hard to argue with a man with a testimony. <laughs> You're not going to tell the guy that got healed from cancer, God doesn't heal. You're not going to tell the person that was bound by drugs and been set free that God's not a deliverer. You understand? You're not going to tell the person whose marriage was on the rocks. A man taught me yesterday and said, I want to give you my testimony. In fact, there was somebody I was taping a television. It was on Friday, not yesterday. I was taping a television spot with. And he said, Pastor, I know you'll understand this. Can I tell you how God healed my marriage? I said, yes, you can. It was an amazing testimony. You can't tell that man that God won't answer prayer. He said, I, my wife filed for divorce. I didn't want divorce. He said, I saw that movie, The War Room. I went in my house. I cleaned out a closet. I made a war room. I laid on my face before God every day for three years and God restored my marriage. You can't tell him God doesn't answer prayer. 
We have a lot of arguments and debates that are indictment against the church that we even have to have them. Our goal, not to present ourselves or Calvary Assembly, is for people to see Jesus. Okay? We don't do that divided, folks. We'll never do that divided. This divided nation needs a united church. Now, let me help you with something. Here's where church people stumble. We read it, but we don't get it. (laughs) So watch this. We're all individual members. We have different functions like in a body. Are you with me? The Bible uses the term gifts at times. So God gave different gifts to the church. Listen to me. Everyone does not have the same gift. Every part does not have the same function. I want to help us. There are some things you will see, perceive, because of your gift that others don't see. And that's okay. That's why we need each other. You understand that? When I get cold, my hands perceive they want a glove. But my eyes don't like it. My eyes don't want a glove. What worked for my hand didn't work for my eye. My hand felt something my eye didn't feel. Is either one of them bad? No, they're necessary. Are you with me? When I'm walking on hot stuff, my feet want shoes. (laughs) My ears don't care. But my feet, it's really important. Are you with me? You're going to see some things other people in your church don't see, and that's not a problem. That's by design. You're going to have a passion for certain things that other people don't have a passion for because God designed you that way. Everybody with me? And so here's what we do. We have to understand each other, appreciate each other, recognize this phenomenal body of Christ because this is what happens. Everybody with me? Do you want the whole truth or just some of it today? Whole truth. Okay. So this is what happens. Somebody will come to their pastor and say, Pastor, why is our church not doing so-and-so? And you know what I say? Because I've been waiting on you. I didn't see it because I don't have your gift. But you saw it. Watch. See, the pastor's not the head. Jesus is the head. (laughs) I don't see what Jesus sees. I have a gift. You have a gift. You see what happens? Somebody will say, well, why isn't our church passionate about this? Because we needed you to bring your passion to us and help us see it. The very fact that we're gifted differently is a design by God. Listen, your gift is not to divide the church. Your gift is to develop the church. If you will take your gift and your passion and communicate it to the leadership properly, then now we can bring that into the church, develop the body, and be better than we were before. Does anybody understand that? But what people do when they don't get the body and understand gifting, they get upset because everybody doesn't see what they see. We're not supposed to all see the same thing. Watch this. Here's what churches do. It's a big mistake. We, we just want to gather one group of people and do one thing. For instance, a church might say, Well, we're the church of the eyeball. They'll get proud about it. We can see better than any other church. We can see farther than any other church. We're the church of the eyeball. Well, let me ask you, church of the eyeball, what good did it do you to see the bomb coming before anybody else because you didn't have any feet to get you out of the way? You weren't quite as good as you thought you were. We need each other. We brag on things that should be an indictment against us. I'm going to re- I, I, listen. I'm not preaching for the faint of heart today. Okay, I, I, I told you. I saw something. The Holy Spirit said, "Let's talk." Okay, so I'm telling you about the conversation. 
We, we have to understand these things. So we begin to see that. We begin to recognize, wait a minute. What God gave me, what I'm seeing, our diversity, see, our diversity should be a signal that says, wait a minute, we need each other. I, the hand needs the arm, the arm needs the chest, and the chest, you know, needs the legs, and then on and on it goes, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the heart, the organs. We're, we're supposed to recognize we're different by design, and that should be the signal we need to get together and be something greater than we could ever be by ourselves. Now, again... God entrusted you with your gift not to divide the church, but to develop the church. How do you do that? You communicate. You know, in the Bible, let let me help you. Here's godly communication. Godly communication is when you're talking to someone, not about someone. That needed to be said again. I'm going to say it again. Godly communication is when I'm talking to someone, not about someone. I can't see. The Bible has a term called murmuring. Israel did that in the wilderness. Murmuring is a language of people who don't have a future. Murmuring is a language of people who forgot who their God is. And so if the conversation in the church has more murmuring than praying, that church isn't healthy. It's not mature. Look at your own life. If I murmur more than I praise, I'm not a mature Christian. If I'm, I'm, thank you for one amen. Is everybody else okay with me right now? Okay. So murmuring is just, you know, she doesn't like me. She never treats me, you know. You know that old song, I went to church. They didn't even shake my hand. Well, did you, did you shake somebody's hand? The Bible says he that wants to have friends must show himself friendly. And over the years, we've, you know, anyway, I won't go through that. So you understand what godly communication is. Listen, Satan's scheme, look at us in America today. Satan's scheme is to divide and conquer. He wants to divide us. He wants you to say, that person's not like me, so we draw back. That person doesn't know what I know, so we draw back. Division is Satan's only way to defeat the church. Anybody with me right now? See, what I'm concerned is that these gifts that God gave us to develop us, people are misusing them. We're trading the spirit of revelation for the spirit of condemnation in the church. We're we're trading discernment for division. (laughs) Anybody with me? God's diversity is his design. He gave it not to divide us, but to bring us together. Just because you say I'm not the hand doesn't mean you're not important. You're very important. Just because you're not the ear doesn't mean you're unimportant. You're very important. God put all of that together so that we would be better because of that. Listen to me, guys. I, I, you know, All I can be is who God made me to be. I grew up in a little town in southeast Arkansas in, in a white family. I'm a white man. I can't do a thing in the world about that. Got me? Who I am. How I grew up. But you know, if I can talk to a, maybe I can talk to a black man who grew up in an inner city in a housing area. And he faced things I never faced. And he's faced prejudice I never faced. If we'll talk, I'm going to begin to know something I didn't know. Are you with me? Or maybe, see, we always stereotype people. Maybe I'm going to meet some guys like Audrey and Will who were extremely successful in what they did and, and, and had a great experience in the military. I didn't serve in the military. So if I listen to a military person, I catch their journey. See, maybe, maybe see, what happens to us is that we begin to 
put ourselves in little groups uh, because we're not alike. I'm going to tell you something. We need to know how the other man walked his path. We need to know where you've been through in life. We need to know your experience. We need to know those things. See, if all I know is what I walked through, I have a very limited life. And if I want to just get together with people just like me, look like me, think like me, talk like me, walk like me, it's not good. I want to, I want to hit you with a bombshell. If you go to a church and everything they do is exactly the way you want it, then that church is no bigger than you are. I'm going to say that on this side. If you go to a church and everything they do in that church is exactly the way you would do it, that's a pretty small church. I want to be in a place where God's the head of the church and he has the right to do it differently than me because I need to learn how to do something different because I'm going to be a better person because of it. Church is not where I hide in my shell. It's where I'm broken out of those things to become a better man as I lead this church, lead my family, impact this nation. Diversity is the design of God so that the church really sees Jesus. That's the plan of God. That's how this works. Let, let, let me help you with something here. Let me show you this. What our problem is, don't worry, I'm not, not going to tie anybody up. Our problem is, is that we, we have allowed things to distance us instead of connect us. Distance us. I, I, I want to help you with, with, with something. Hey, Brian, come here. Let me, help me here. Would you, yes, sir. Take, take the end of this rope, please, sir, and just walk a few paces down. All right. For, all, for everybody else, we're, we're six feet. Everybody relax. It's all cool, okay? So watch this. This rope, I want to help you with something, is, is, is your relationship, all right? This is a relationship. So Brian and I are friends. Watch. When I'm standing like this with Brian, this, is, this rope is relaxed, right? It's easy. It's comfortable. Watch this. The only thing that puts a strain on relationship, hold on, is distance, the farther I walk away from that and the more distance I create, the more strain it works on this rope. And here's what we keep doing. We keep saying, why are we having such a hard time in this nation? Why are we so divided? Why are things so difficult? Because we have so much distance among ourselves. Because we're putting a strain on everything. All you have to do is close the gap and the strain comes off your relationship. Distance is not the solution. It's the problem. Now watch this. Here, I'm going I'm to give you some free marriage counseling, all right? Now watch this. Let's say husband and wife. See, it's all relationships. So things were like this, but somehow you had a disagreement about some things. Husbands and wives do that, don't they? Come on. Yes, they do. So something happened, and you had a disagreement. And, and watch this, and you, oh, it's tense in that house right now. See what I mean? It's a strain in that house. The kids know there's a strain. The neighbors sometimes know there's a strain. Depends on how loud the disagreement was. So there's a strain going on in that house. Watch me. And, and here's where you make the mistake. We got a strain. So somebody gets mad, grabs their pillow, and says, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. Now you've got a bigger distance and you've got more strain. And some of you have enough strain, come on, I'm going to help you, and you think the problem to deal with my strain, watch me, instead of closing the gap, that'll solve everything. Here's what we've been told the solution is doing. You got too much strain in that marriage, cut the, cut the relationship. See, I'm free now. I don't have the strain. See, that's not the answer. You know what you need to do when there's a strain in a relationship? Don't cut the relationship, cut the distance. Get yourself back over where this thing's supposed to be. Thank you, Brian. That's an illustration. That's what's happening to us. We're having strain on our relationships 
because we created too much distance among ourselves. We, we fall into our groups. We hide behind our differences. We get together and we start talking about people instead of talking to people. See, it begins to work against us. See, listen, let, let me tell you something. Pastor Emilio was in, in church today for the first time in 65 days. It's been almost two and a half months. We're so thankful he was here. During this time, I would tell him, Pastor Emilio, don't come yet. I keep pointing. He's not there. He was there earlier. Sorry. I'll quit pointing to MTC. So I keep telling him, Pastor Emilio, don't come to the doctor say you can come. Pastor Emilio, you do what the doctors tell you to do. Honor what they're telling you, Pastor. Do what he tells I, I don't want, you. You do that. See, I respect that 100%. Everybody hear me? There are folks right now that can't come because of their health, underlying condition. I'm fine for them to come. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I said that first. Don't forget I said that. Here's what I want to say. Unity requires proximity. <laughs> the body of Christ means you've got to gather. It means you've got to connect. It means you get together. Now, there's some people that can't come to church right now because of physical problems and they're doing what they should do. But I notice, as I'm looking at all this Facebook, people need to think about their Facebook. I notice I'm looking at Facebook that people are gathering down at Lowe's. They're gathering down at Walmart. Come on here, hear me. They're gathering at the restaurant. They're gathering at the ball game. They're gathering over here and they're gathering over there, eating over here, going over there. But they're not gathering at church. I'm going to tell you the truth. The devil doesn't want the church to come back and worship together. The devil doesn't want the body of Christ to rise up and be strong again. I'm going to tell you, we didn't virtually hand out a thousand bags of food yesterday. We physically on site got together and made that happen. The church is not a virtual church. It's a body of people and bodies work better connected. You might say, oh, we're the church. We're the church. Listen, I don't want you to cut all my body parts off and let them lay around. I want mine connected so I can be who I'm supposed to be, do what I'm supposed to do. There is a proximity that is part of being connected. And we have to begin to allow God to work this in us. I, I want to end this with this. There's, there's something God showed me. I've read this passage. We're going to go to Matthew 18. I've read this passage so many times. I've preached out of this. I've studied it. And this week, as the Holy Spirit said, let's talk, God showed me something I've never... Now, if I've seen this, I'm sure other people have. I've never heard this talk. I've never been taught this. I've never seen the connection made. But when I saw this, the light came on for me. I want to help you with this. A divided nation needs a united church. Because what's the bottom line? People need Jesus. People need Jesus. That's what we're here to do. But we'll never do it divided. Now watch this. As I, you know, this passage we're going to read, in about three verses it says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Boy, that's... You know, whatever you loose on earth was loose that meant authority and prayer. And when you get together, there's Jesus in the midst of you. Man, that's encouraging, isn't it? It's a promise of God. We're blessed by it. We celebrate that. We use those verses. But the Holy Spirit said, you need to back up. You're missing something. Now watch this. Watch this. This is what precedes praying with authority and the presence of God being in our midst. Are you with me? If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Now, I told you the church struggling getting this act together on some points. <laughs> Here's one of them. I find that when brothers and sisters get upset with one another, they talk to everybody but each other. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good here today. I find them talking to everybody but each other. 
They talk about each other, but they don't talk to each other. Watch this. If your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault just between who? The two of you. If you don't care about it enough to talk to the person, you shouldn't talk to anybody else about it. That's God's plan. Now watch this. If they listen, you've won them over. Let me go through the rest of this real quick. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You start with each other. If that doesn't work, he keeps giving you a plan, verse 18 or 17. Look at this. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. (laughs) The church kind of got these verses backwards. Most of the people I know tell it to the church first. (laughs) Hmm? Of course, when they call up their friends in their prayer group and talk about this person, they're not gossiping. They were praying that the Lord will bless them. It was a prayer request, right? Prayer request is code for gossip in the church sometimes. Just, just, they just need prayer. <laughs> I can tell them on rough water, but it's okay. God told me to do it. I'm cool. If he's happy, I'm happy. Right. Watch. Here's the revelation. Watch this. This stunned me. So, you know, if they refuse, then there are consequences. They're, they're treated. But look at verse 18. This is where we always begin, having left that other out. Now watch what we've missed. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's authority. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We need some people praying with authority in this divided nation. Amen? Watch verse 19. This is where I never connected it. Again, truly I tell you that if who? Well, wait a minute. We just read about two. Watch this. We've always read these verses. We didn't start at verse 15. And we go here to verse 19. If any two of you on earth agree, and we just find our best friend, our, somebody we like, somebody prays with us all the time, and we get together and pray, but we are already told who the two were. In verse 15, the two is the pers- you and that person you were mad at. You and that person you had disagreed with. You and that person you were divided from. Are you with me? And what I see the Bible saying that I had missed all this time is that the thing that releases authority and prayer in the presence of Jesus is not just me and anybody praying. Are you ready? At the highest level, it's when I go find the person I'm at odds with and we talk with each other until we come in agreement. And when you get two former divided people together praying, Jesus says, I'm going to show up in that place. I'm going to bring authority. Look, For it will be done, my Father in heaven. Look at verse 20. He says this. I want you to see this. Verse 20 says, it's coming in the name of Jesus. I know it is. Verse 20 is coming, and it's coming, and it's coming. Verse 20. Anyway, he says, there I am in the midst of them. If I turn my back, it'll come up. There I am in the midst of them. Guys, you understand that we have missed the power of unity in the church? Do you realize that we made it too easy, that we withdraw from people, that we get in our little circles, that we hide out from the rough work of working through the process? Do you know that unity is not always easy? Sometimes it's a process. 
Do you know that I've got to go to people that are in disagreement with me and say, I want to pray with authority. How many want God to answer your prayer? I want the power of God to come in. There's some things that need to be bound in my family, in my home, in this nation. Anybody online with me? There's some things that need to be loose. I want the glory of God loose. I want revival loose. I want the presence of God loose. But I may have to do the work. There it is. For where two or three gather my name, there I am with them. Literally, I believe God is saying, when people who've been at odds get together, it draws the presence of God. When people are at odds and get together, he says, I'm going to let you pray with authority. This week, I talked to a man who was a former member of the Aryan nation. Do you know who those people are? They're bad boys. They're white supremacists. They hate. It's a rough group of people. And he looked at me and I talked with him. I was honest and straightforward with him. We had a connection that was 25 years ago. I hadn't seen the man. I lost track with him. And I looked at him and he told me, I know it's wrong. I know where I've been is not working. And I looked him in the face and I said, you'll never break out of this until you submit your life to Jesus Christ. He alone can transform you. And then I looked at him and I said, said, sir, you need to know the greatest strength of a man is not who he hates. It's how he loves by the grace of God. And love will do what hate can never do. Now, I know some people are going to get uneasy about this. But I'm really excited about what God's showing me. And I'm excited about a united church being a testimony to a divided nation where people see Jesus when we get together. Now, let me ask you, what would be a greater picture of Jesus? See, we keep thinking unity means people that are like me get together. <laughs> but what if unity was a result of people who are not like us and we did the hard work to get together? I'm kind of thinking now after I had to talk with the Aryan nation, I'd like to get the Aryan nation here, and I'd like to go get Antifa, and I'd like to put us all in the same room. Now, I know some of you think, my God, I'm not coming to that, but I'm just crazy enough to believe that something good might happen. See, see, I love the presence of God, and if he shows up with us, what if we, what if we, come on, what if we got these folks saying, in the name of Jesus, let's lay down our hate, let's lay down our division, let's lay down these things. I believe Jesus would say, that's a place I want to go. That's where I want to show up. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to do much talking after that. You don't have to convince the world that Jesus is real when you're standing there with people that were enemies that are now one in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, the church is the answer for a ripped up, divided nation. And God wants to use us. I am just saying to you, I'm ready to lead us if you'll follow. I'm ready to do what God wants us to do. I believe it's our greatest challenge, but I believe it's our greatest opportunity. We just need to get together. Last thing I want to say, we, we can't afford any more church wars. What does that mean? We need to stop fighting among the generations. We need to stop fighting to have our way. Listen, I'm tired of people putting the millennial generation down. I hear people say, well, you got to baby this and baby that. I believe there's an army of young millennials rising up that just needs somebody to say, I believe in you. Come on, let's go. Let's do this thing. Let's tear the devil up. Let's build a great church. My parents, I'm a baby boomer. I'm, I'm on the uh, last end of those, born at the end of that. But my father was a World War II veteran. History says my parents were the greatest generation that ever lived in America. And I'm going to tell you, if they were the greatest generation, I'm not going to waste what they did and waste what they learned and walk off from the gospel they put in my life. I, as a baby boomer, am not going to spend my days saying, well, you young people don't know what I know. You haven't seen what I've seen. You don't know how to work. 
work. They're not going to know and they're not going to see until somebody tells them how to work and tells them how to see, tells them how to worship. Come on, we've got to get the church together. If we can't get together, how are we going to be a witness to the world? We got to cut that stuff out. I right, listen. It's okay. I, we don't know how to, we don't have to look alike. Do you understand that? It's okay. We need each other. If you want red, blue, purple hair, knock yourself out. I don't care. Fine with me. Just do you love Jesus? Let's get it on. Okay. Let's go serve him. Let's make it happen. You know, you want to have body piercings? Look, in my life, I've had several body piercings. None of them on purpose, and all of them hurt. I've stepped on a nail. I've been stabbed. I've had a lot of body piercings. I really don't want to pay somebody to make me hurt. If you want to do that, that's up to you. I don't mind. Have fun. I don't care. You, I grew up in a little town so small, there wasn't anybody to give me a tattoo. If they did, I'd probably have seven or eight, wild as I was. But I don't have any tattoos because there's nobody to give me one back when I wanted one. Listen, I don't care if you got tattoos. I don't care if you got ear piercing, body piercing, you know, navel piercing, nose piercing. Knock yourself out. I don't care what it says, mama, daddy, grandma, I love you. I don't care. I just, it's fine. Bible verse, this, that, I hate Satan. You know, I don't care. What I care about is let's stop being divided by things that don't matter. And let's start coming together as the army of God. Listen, man, if you want to praise God, I'll sing country, I'll sing gospel, I'll sing black gospel, I'll sing rap. I can't do it very good, but I'll try. I'll sing praise and worship. I'll sing on the wall. I'll sing on the screen. I'll sing out of a hymn book. I'll sing out of the Bible. You want to praise God, I'm with you. You want to love God, I'm with you. You want to serve God, I'm with you. You want to preach the gospel, I'm with you. You want to model Jesus, I'm with you. You want to love people that don't love you, I'm with you. We are the body of Christ. We are stronger you. United. We are a living, breathing picture of Jesus. And how we do that will determine if this nation finds hope in this hour. I want you to stand with me. I want a worship team to come. I want us to pray, church family. While we're standing, let me take a moment. Just stand with me. Please don't leave. I need to address someone here and someone there. You've been listening to me preach today. And if you don't know Jesus, there's a separation that you'll never connect until you know him. That division from your hope, from your life, from your strength, you're never going to find it in anything else. People aren't going to give it to you. Drugs and alcohol are not going to give it to you. Titles, popularity, fame, money, you're never going to find it. I'm going to tell you something. The only way your life is ever going to be everything you ever dreamed is for Jesus to step into your life. In this room and those that are listening to me, from my heart, it all begins with you there. The greatest connection you'll ever make is with Jesus Christ. Guys, I pray the church is willing to do the hard work to say we want effective, powerful prayers. We're not going to let little issues stand in the way. Look at this church. We have such an opportunity. We're so diverse. It's a miracle. And we don't have to talk this talk. We can walk this walk. In this city, this region, our families, our kids, our friends can watch us love each other walk with each other. We'll be a testimony of Jesus. Mom and dad, I pray your marriage is so good that your children will say, I want a marriage like that. I want a home like this. doesn't mean you were perfect. It means you found out how to get together. It means you learned how to get the tension off that rope and get that thing back together. I want us to live such a life that those watching us say, I want that kind of life. I need that kind of life. You know, all my words don't matter if my life doesn't say God's real. And the better we're connected is the better way it works. Listen, I want some 
young black man to walk in this church and say, there's hope for me here. There's something I didn't find. I want some young rebellious white girl to walk in this church who's mad at life, who's cutting herself, who's rebellious. I want her to walk in here. I want her to walk in your house. I want her to walk in our dream centers and say, there's hope for me here. You understand that? I want some young brown person who we're mad and upset about how they get here. Let's let the politicians sort it out. They're here. I want them to say there's hope for me in that place. They love me. You get it? That's who we are. I want us to step out of our comfort zones and get through our easy places. I want to make a statement here. I just, you know, division is lazy. Division is the lazy way to live life. It's easy to get in my little shell and hide there. But unity takes some work. It takes some talk. It takes some prayer. But the reward is amazing. So right now, our guys are going to lead us in a moment of worship. Those of you that need to accept Christ, it's your moment. Just call on Him. Here, online. All of us here, would you honestly with me in this moment say to God, Lord, I want to be a part of a united church that is a clear testimony of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.